Thanks for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. Our hope is that it helps you discover completeness in Jesus. Now for this week's teaching. Hey guys, how we doing? You doing good? You doing good? Guys, I want to tell you about one of the scariest moments of my life, okay? When I was little, um, a few years younger than you all actually, so I was pretty small, uh, I got lost, which is just not fun. Here's what happened. My family went on vacation to Paris and they left me at home in Chicago and two guys tried to break into our house and I had to stop them through a series of different tricks. And no, I'm just kidding, that's Home Alone, that's Home Alone, that's Home Alone. Okay, that's Home Alone, but I really did get lost. I really have been lost a few times actually, which when you, when you get lost like more than a few times, it's like, is this, do I just not know anywhere where I am? But, I, I, but I've been lost a few times, all when I was little. And the worst time was when I was, got lost from my mom at the grocery store. It was terrifying. I don't know if you've ever been lost, but if you have, you know the feeling that I felt when all of a sudden I didn't see my mom and I just had this deep pit in my stomach and this lump in my throat and I'm terrified. If you know, you know that you were terrified. And if you are a parent in the room, then my mom has told me more than one occasion, that was also one of the scariest moments of her life. So that's fun, I guess. But it was scary because I didn't know where my mom was. Heck, I was a dumb little kid. I didn't even know where I was. All I knew was that I was at a place that had Oreos and I was so sidetracked by the Oreos that when I looked away and I didn't see my mom, I looked back at the Oreos and I was like, Oreos can't be my mom. I need to find my mom. So I started crying and I was running around the store trying to figure out where my mom was, looking at the employees, trying to help me. They're not doing anything for me. And I'm just scared. Because in that moment, I knew that I needed to be close to my mom. I was far and I needed to not be. I was far from her and in my little kid brain, my mom was the only person in the world at that moment that I could trust and that loved me. I thought everybody else was gonna kill me in Walmart. I was like, stranger, nope, you're about to kill me. No, thank you, sir, where's my mom? I was freaking out, right? And so I was running around the store just, just losing my mind because I knew that if I didn't find my mom, I was just gonna die. That's what I thought. I'm gonna die right here in Walmart. And so chubby little Tyler running down the aisles of Walmart, looking for my mom, freaking out, tears and snot running everywhere. I knew that I needed to get close to my mom, that I was far and that needed to not be the case anymore. I knew in that moment that that in my head, my mom was the only person that I could trust, the only person that I felt safe around, the only person that I loved, the only person that loved me. And I just knew that this distance that I felt from her, this lostness needed to go away immediately. And so you can imagine the relief when I found her, or really she probably found me because I probably looked for five seconds and then just froze in fear and was in the middle of an aisle at Walmart when she found me. And I didn't let go of her probably the rest of that whole year of my life. I was like, this is my mom. I'm gonna hold her hand forever because I don't want her to go anywhere. Do you know what this feeling is like? Being separated or being lost from someone? It's scary. It is a scary feeling, especially if you're in a really busy place or a place that you don't know 
And for whatever reason, you're lost from them and you know that you just need to get back to being close. But for whatever reason, you can't seem to do that. And I think for some of us, this can be the case sometimes in our relationship with God too. We're far, or at least we feel far, and we'd like to be closer. I would like to be closer to God, but for whatever reason, I'm just not. For whatever reason, no matter what the reason might be in your case, at the end of the day, we just want to be closer. Doesn't matter what the reason is. I'd like to be closer to God. I'd like to pray more to God. I'd like to know God more. I'd like to love God more. I would like for these other things in my life to not be here. And I'd like to be closer to God and have more of him. But for whatever reason, this gap is just something that I can't seem to get across. But thankfully, Jesus doesn't leave us to figure this out on our own. Because in the section of scripture that you just heard read, Matthew chapter 6, he gives us two major ways that we can draw closer to God. Because the reality is this, God is not far. In fact, he is closer than any of us even realize. And so if we feel far from him, far from him, it is not because God is far, it's because we are far. And Jesus gives us these steps that we can use to trust him, to realign our hearts with God and his kingdom. So these two things that Jesus talks about, you just heard them read, are prayer and fasting. And prayer and fasting are done in order to draw closer to God. They are done in order to draw closer to God. But before we go any further, I think it would be helpful for us to get definitions of prayer and fasting so that we're on the same page, so we know what we're talking about. Because I think we might have some idea of these things, but maybe not totally what they are. So prayer is a conversation with our loving creator God in order to draw closer to him. So just like how you would talk to a friend and the more that you talk to them and the more that you listen to them, the more you spend time with them, the closer you get, it's the same in our relationship with God. The more we talk to him, the more we listen to him, the more we spend time with him, the closer that we get. Fasting is the act of giving something up, often food, for a set period of time in order to draw closer to God. Prayer and fasting. They're different, but they often go hand in hand. Because in, if for, for fasting, instead of thinking about uh, eating or instead of actually eating or thinking about what we need, we instead spend those times with God in prayer, with God through the Bible in godly community as we draw closer to him. But as we look at this section in Matthew chapter 6, we actually see that Jesus repeats himself on a couple of things. And it's important for us to know as, as Bible readers that whenever Jesus repeats himself, we should pay attention because that means it's really important. And so the first thing that Jesus says several times in this section, actually, was our big point from last week, which is that Christians, kingdom people, live for an audience of one. That just like giving, which is what we talked about last week, fasting and prayer are not to be done so that people think you're awesome, but instead are to be done for an audience of one. So the audience for prayer is an audience of one, and the same goes for fasting. Because Christians live for God alone. Kingdom people live for their king and for their king alone. The second thing that we see Jesus repeat here is that he doesn't talk about these things like a hobby that just some people do or extra spiritual Christians do. In fact, he talks about them in the same way that he talked about giving. He didn't say, 
if you pray or, hey, if you're a fasting person, you don't have anything going on next week, hey, you know, think about this. It'd be cool if you wanted to do it. And he says, when you pray, when you fast, not if. So these are understood, non-negotiable parts of the kingdom life. It's who, it's a part of who Christians are. It's a part of who kingdom people are because it's a part of the kingdom. And so Jesus doesn't talk about them as a hobby, like you and I would have a sport or a club or something like that, but they're just a part of who we are. And because they're a part of who we are, they're also a part of what we do. That's what kingdom people do. Now, fasting and praying, though Jesus talks about them in a really important way, they don't save us. Like, it's not a good thing that we can do enough of. Like, you don't hit your 1,000th prayer, and all of a sudden, God's like, amen, A+, plus, you're good to go. Or you don't fast for five days, you don't eat for five days, and all of a sudden, you just get to go immediately to heaven. No, that's not, that's not how it works. And yet, they're still really important. Because nothing we do can save us. Jesus alone did that on the cross and when he rose from the grave. Jesus alone did that. And yet, these seem to be pretty important. Because Jesus talks about both of them a lot. Jesus did them himself many times in his life. And he, it seems like Jesus expects them from us. So if that's the case, fifth through eighth grade, that Jesus talked about them a lot, that Jesus himself did them, and it seems like he expects them, then we might want to listen to him. Because here's the thing. If you're not listening to him, is he really your king? If you're not following him, is he really your Lord? Because a, a person in the kingdom, a citizen of the kingdom that doesn't obey the king, isn't really a part of the kingdom. And these are things that we need to ask ourselves. Now, when it comes to praying, I think that one of our biggest problems is that you and I don't always have a correct understanding of prayer. That a lot of times we see it as a performance of making sure that we say the right things and that we never mess up and that we do everything perfectly. And I think this is why so many of you don't like to pray in front of other people. And I have talked to a lot of you and I have asked a lot of you to pray. And the look that I get when I'm like, hey, would you like to pray? It's always like, like it's, uh, like just you forgot the entire English language, right? And, and I think that is partially because we can see prayer as a performance of saying the right things and impressing the people around us. But prayer is not a performance. Prayer is a conversation. So we don't have to think or worry about what other people around us are, are thinking about when we're praying to God because it's not about them. This isn't a conversation with multiple people, right? We talked about this last week. We talked about having an audience around us, right? And, and when, at the end of the day, the audience can, can approve of you or not approve of you all they want. It doesn't matter. You're not listening because this is a conversation between you and God. Now, you might pray with other people, right? Like you'll pray later in your small group. Or you might pray for other people. You might pray over other people, but you are not primarily praying to them. What you are thinking about in prayer isn't, man, I hope that Billy over here really likes what I'm saying and that he just thinks that I'm awesome and this really cool, perfect person. No, because it's a conversation between you 
and God. And chances are good that the people that you are worried about uh, what they're thinking when you're praying, if they were the ones praying, they'd be thinking the same thing, right? That we'd all, that we're really kind of all secretly at first, at least, thinking, man, I just gotta say the right things. But none of us have to feel this way, right? None of us have to feel this way. We don't have to be nervous to pray. We don't have to be afraid to pray because it isn't about what other people are saying. It's just you and God. But if that's the part of prayer that makes you nervous, like going to the God of the universe and talking to him alone, are you kidding me, Tyler? I'm gonna say one wrong thing, then he's gonna strike me with lightning. No, thank you, right? Like going before the God who created everything and, and I have to talk to him, like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But thankfully we can look at what Jesus did and that secures us because our ability to pray was not, has never been about the awesome things that we have done or said. But because of what Jesus did on the cross, and because Jesus rose from the grave, we have access to God like never before. And even more so, we have the spirit of God living inside of us. If you call yourself a follower of Jesus. And so we pray to God the Father through the sacrifice of God the Son by the power of God the Spirit. And so we don't have to worry about saying the right things or making sure that, that we never mess up or that, that we don't have these awkward silences because it's not about that. It is about going to God in honest conversation because he wants to talk to you. And, and so if you at all are ever like me where you just maybe get overwhelmed from prayer because you're like, man, I just don't know what to say or man, I have way too much to say or I going before the God of the universe is just, that's, that's intense and kind of scary than then it helps me to slow down. It helps me to take some deep breaths and think about what it is that I'm doing, really what I get to do. And that is that I am going before the throne of the God of the universe. And he wants to talk to me. That the God who created me, the God who keeps me alive by his grace, who keeps us all alive, who, who created all of us, wants to talk to me. That the king of the Grand Canyon and the king of the littlest flower, the God who could snuff out the sun in an instant, the God who isn't afraid of the things that I'm afraid of, that God lets me talk to him. Not only does he let me talk to him, he wants me to talk to him because he wants to talk to me, because he wants to listen to me because he's the best friend that we could ever have. And so that's who we meet in prayer, not some faraway judgmental God who has a lightning bolt in his hand just waiting for you to say something wrong. No, he has open arms. He says, hey, let's talk. And if you go into prayer and it's intimidating to you because you're like, I just don't know what to say, then thankfully we have the very scripture that we just heard read in which Jesus gives us an example of how to pray. And we could spend weeks on this, and maybe one day we will, but for now we can slow down and we can see that the example Jesus provides is that Christians pray to their loving Father. They pray and they ask that what God wants done would be done. They pray and they ask for God's help in trusting him. They ask for God's help in providing for them, in asking for God's help to save them, to deliver them, to help them forgive other people as they themselves have been forgiven and to deliver them from the evil one and not lead them into temptation. Jesus teaches us how to pray, not what to pray. And so these words, the Lord's Prayer that we see in Matthew chapter 6, we don't have to pray these exact words when we pray, but they're really helpful. 
they're a really good tool for us to learn how to pray. And so I think a great exercise for us is to rewrite the Lord's Prayer in our own words and then pray that so that the Lord's Prayer becomes a foundation for all the other prayers that we talk about. And I think our main problem when it comes to fasting is that none of us know what it is or why we do it or how we do it or really what the heck is going on with fasting because it is so far removed from our American culture because the culture that you and I live in is more, way more about uh, uh, Give, or taking all that I can have and keeping that all I can have and, and, and eating all I can have when fasting is actually saying, I'm going to give this up. I'm going to let this go. And so it's different. And so though we might not see it very much in our culture around us, the Bible actually talks about fasting a lot. And we see it a lot through the Bible. Jesus himself fasts, with, withholds from food. Remember, fasting is the act of giving something up to draw closer to God. So Jesus fasts from food in the desert before, before he goes and is tempted by Satan in the desert. Daniel in the Old Testament, he fasts when he's mourning Israel's sin and God's punishment on that sin as they are in exile in Babylon. Da King David fasts when he's asking for healing and humility. And for thousands of years, Millions of Christians, of kingdom people like you and I have fasted in order to draw closer to God, especially when something big is going on in their life. And so I have really good friends that have fasted in moments where they had really big decisions to make about friends, about relationships, about life, about what they wanted to do, what they wanted to be involved in, and so they fasted. And so in the moments where they would have been eating, they instead prayed they instead read their Bible. They spent time in godly community. And when that feeling in their stomach rumbled of like, I am hungry, their prayer was not, God, let this be over so I can eat again. But instead, God, I desire food. Help me to desire you more. That's what their prayer was. Fasting is a way that draws us closer to God. Now, to be clear, God also wants you to be smart and healthy. And so if you have like low blood sugar or you have other medical or biological reasons where you need to eat regularly, then you can do that because you can fast from other things. Or, or and, and also to be clear, fasting is not a way that we lose weight. That's not what fasting is for, right? Not eating for long periods of time, that's not healthy, and that's not what God wants for you. And if that's something that's going on in your life, something that you're struggling with, then please come talk to, to myself, talk to Emily, talk to your small group leader. Because the reality is, is that we can fast from a lot more than food. Just ask yourself, what in my life is, is something that I put a lot of my comfort in, a lot of my trust in, I give a lot of my time to? What is something in my life that's maybe in God's place? Video games. There's half of us. TV. Phone, sports, friends, books, the things that are not bad in and of themselves. And yet, if we find that we are leaning on them totally, then God may be calling you to fast from them, to teach you to not lean on something that could so easily fall away, but to draw closer to him and lean into the one thing in our life that is constant and strong. Prayer and fasting are done in order to draw closer to God. So if you don't really pray all that much, and if you've never fasted, then that's okay, because Jesus isn't judging us here. 
He's inviting us into a life, into your life, in which you can be closer to God. And he gives us two great ways to get that started. Now, prayer and fasting, they're not these magical coins and that you put in a God vending machine to get whatever you want. But the funny thing is, is that when we pray and when we fast, we might not get what we think we want, but what we end up getting is God. And so in that way, we get more than we thought we wanted and we get more than we could ever need. And so right now, we're gonna go into a time of singing and of worship, but also on the screen, there's gonna be some questions that I want you to ask yourself. And so you'll sit down and, and uh, Madison and Sam will kind of direct you guys a little bit through this time as we sing, as we read scripture, as we ask questions, but you don't need to talk to anybody else. It's you and God. So open your ears to him, open your heart to what it is that he may be leading you to as he shows you these ways that you can draw closer to him. So just a moment, let's pay attention to the screens. Thanks again for checking out this podcast from Christ Church of Ornogo. We hope that this teaching is helping you discover completeness in Jesus and encourages you to help others do the same. If you're interested in learning more about Christ Church, visit us online at cco.church.